Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Contact Centre podcast where we'll be focusing on the topic of contact centre skills, how to keep on developing your team. I'm your host Charlie Mitchell and I'm the Features Editor here at Call Centre Helper magazine, the world's leading online magazine dedicated to contact centres and customer service. Today's episode features a conversation between myself and Sarah Morgan of Lucid Coaching, a new consultancy which works with contact centre leaders to better engage their teams and drive performance. Which customer service skills should contact centres be looking to immediately improve? So I think at the moment it really is around empathy and um, conflict resolution. You know, this year has been incredibly hard on everyone and people who are remote working, working from home, it's really tricky as well. So helping contact centre staff have that empathy, really be able to connect with the person on the phone, whether they're making a complaint or asking around a new cell, whatever the, the, the purpose is, really being able to connect with that person in a, in a deeper way. And then depending on the industry, helping people with debt management, recognising the financial implications of this year for so many people and recognising the early warning signs, being able to talk that through in a way that's not threatening or scary for the customer, but enables the customer to open up about their financial situation. Obviously, that's not relevant in every contact centre, but in many contact centres, it, it will be to make sure that the, the organisation is helping that customer in the right way and either helping them to reduce their, their bills and their debts or enable them or ensure that they're not getting further into debt. Yeah, I imagine there's a lot of uh, situations where call centre agents put in a very uncomfortable scenario where the customer says, well, I can't pay my bill because I don't have any money yep. or something and resolving that must be very tricky. Um, just going, kind of going back to the kind of the basics that you started there with empathy and conflict resolution. Do you have any kind of quick little maybe tips for how we can improve those skills specifically? A lot of it comes down to the mindset of the, the contact mm. centre agent and helping them really put themselves in the customer's shoes. So it's a mindset shift from the historic KPI, hit your numbers, hit your numbers, hit your numbers mentality that often exists in a contact centre to be much more human about it and think about the long term. So what's going on for this customer? How do we add value to their lives in the scenario that they're in? We don't know what's going on in their life. So how do we make that connection so we can have a better understanding of that so we can really meet their needs and obviously hit the company's goals and purpose as well, but in a way that's really centred on that customer? Sometimes contact centres, you're so pressured on time, Mm. it can be really hard just to take that minute at the beginning to really understand where the customer's coming from and just taking that you know, 30 seconds or a minute right at the beginning to really understand what's going on for the customer can make such a difference to the whole conversation and actually can end up making the whole interaction with the customer quicker and more effective anyway because you get to what their their core issue is much more quickly by spending time just letting them talk. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's very interesting. I think from what you said there, it kind of shows how closely kind of active listening skills and empathy are, yeah. are just they go hand in hand and you must kind of listen to the customer's problem to understand and kind of, as you say, that can make their call quicker yeah. uh, anyway. And I think just having that kind of bit of patience at the start and not feeling pressure. And I think that's something that management and team leaders can certainly do 
And I think that leads on quite nicely to my next question, actually, and that's kind of what can team leaders uh, do to improve customer service skills in the contact centre? So I think one thing, as you say, it's around moving the focus from pure performance KPIs to being a much more rounded set of measures. Mm -hmm. Um, So enabling the advisor to focus on the customer satisfaction and the overall outcome and the long-term outcome for the customer, not simply, I got them off the phone within 48 seconds and I did my wrap in 12 and a half, you know, whatever those performance KPIs are. I think the other thing that team leaders can really do at the moment is recognize that while a lot of them are still remote working, that doesn't mean that the desk side coaching needs to stop. Although it can't be physically next to each other, if you're not working physically in a contact center at the moment, you can still do core listening and one-to-one coaching individually so that the advisors feel really invested in which again helps their mindset and helps them continue to really thrive and, and improve as well. Yeah, I think there's there's a few little things that um, the really great tips that I'd like to pick up on there. And I think the first one, as you said, was kind of taking the pressure um, off advisors and kind of creating a safe environment for them to kind of maybe, as you said in your, in your last answer, to take a minute just to really listen to the customer and creating the right environment for them to do that with that being said you talked a little bit about metrics as well should team leaders really be explaining to advisors how their performance is being assessed so they kind of know exactly what's going on yeah absolutely um but i i genuinely think it needs to be a really balanced scorecard as well Mm. it can't just be about how quickly you get someone off the phone or how quickly you wrap the call it has to be really balanced with customer satisfaction and even employee satisfaction as well. I think customer contact centers are the absolute heart of the business and too often people who work in them feel like they're second-class citizens to the rest of the business. (laughs) So helping them understand how core and critical they are and how core and critical customer sat is and how that has to be front and center of their, their, their performance And yes, of course, you can't spend three hours on the phone with each and every customer, but not having time to, you know, the the average call handling time is being the absolute top metric. Yeah, I think it's an important point to kind of, as you said, to make advisors understand how important they are to kind of their contact centers and kind of the overall organization's success. Because, you know, having purpose in your work is just a very key motivator. And if you get that going, I mean, happy Uh, days, really. Absolutely. And in a lot of cases, it's the only time the customer has any interaction with the business. Mm. If their contact centre advisors are frustrated, feeling like they're second class citizens, uncared for by an organisation, the customer's liable to have a poor experience as opposed to where you've got contact centre advisors who feel like they are the heart of the business and absolutely core to the success of the business and the purpose. And, you know, it automatically has an impact on on customer staff. I think that's a very important point. And you kind of also talked about, you know, making sure that you make time for one-to-one coaching too. Does that just involve kind of your usual stuff, but on kind of a video platform? Or do you think there's other kind of little things that we should be doing to help improve advisor well-being so that they can properly display? Yeah, um, so, yeah, I think looking after the mental health, particularly when mm. people are remote working. So I think checking in with your staff on a regular basis in a way that doesn't make them feel like you're checking up on them. Yeah. So, yeah, having having regular catch ups, but that isn't 
So I talked to one guy who was like, oh, I'm going to have a catch up with everyone every morning at nine and every day at five. Like basically your team are going to feel like you're checking up that they're not in their pajamas at nine and that they've not had a drink <laughs> by five. That's not checking up on them. That's checking in that they're still at the desk and, and, and working. So it's about having methods that you're, you, know, you get to know the individuals and know what works for them. You check in on them. You make sure that they're feeling supported, that you're giving them feedback in a way that is supportive and nurturing, not big brother-esque encouraging peer reviews as well so you know saying two people that can you know they can have a, a Skype call with each other a couple of times a day to to just talk through how things have gone because it can get really onerous on the team leader if the team leader's got to do that for everybody every day but having that peer support and peer review you know you have your coffee break with one of your colleagues and you talk through you know Mr Smith was really arty with me but actually I feel better now I've been able to talk it through with someone else to just make sure that when people aren't face-to-face anymore in a contact center, they've still got all of those different methods of communication. And then labeling feedback up and down the line as well. So having a method for an advisor to give feedback to the team leader about what's working, what isn't working, what they need, and to make sure that the psychological safety there, that there's not going to be any comeback. Yeah, I think it's you made, you made lots of interesting points then. I'm just going to ask you, question around peer reviews is there any way of kind of monitoring those reviews so that they actually are kind of discussing calls instead of maybe just having a like just having a general kind of chit chat is that something we need to be careful of oh that is a great (laughs) question so yes and no so I think if if it's five or ten minutes a day and it's a bit of a chit chat there's no problem with that you know they'd have that over a, a cigarette break or a coffee break in the office anyway if there is a specific time where they are given a longer period of time to really do that review then there probably should be some documentation that comes out of the back of it yeah but that can then be spot checked by team leaders or, or QA that can be used as part of development plans to make it more long term useful as well But I'm really reticent to do many things that feel like Big Brother's watching. Hi everyone, it's me again. I just wanted to share a quick message with you from those of us here at Call Centre Helper. It's great that so many of you are listening to our podcast. And if you want even more great content to help you run the best possible contact centre, make sure you pay a visit to our website www.callcentrehelper.com. We have everything from in-depth articles and reports to industry-leading webinars and important call centre tools like an Erlang calculator for you to enjoy. I'll leave a few interesting links in the description box below so you can check out some of this really helpful material. But for now, let's get back to my conversation with Sarah. Contact centre staff are so heavily monitored on their performance anyway. You know exactly how many calls they've taken, how long they've been on each call. You know, you've got so many metrics that are right there. My sense is a lot of contact centre staff are sat there at the moment going, hang on, you know, the guys in tech, the guys in marketing, they work from home all the time. No one's got a clue what they're doing. They're not checked up on. How come I've got to account for every single minute of my time? Mm. Yeah, I think that that kind of idea of making sure advisors don't feel like second class citizens, as you said earlier, I think that links in very well with that. So I think there's lots of great advice for kind of team leaders there and how they can help build customer service skills amongst their team. Do you have any other advice maybe for managers and how they can help? 
So I think it's it's much of the same and it's leading by example. So making sure that from a management point of view, you are coming at it with a servant leadership mentality, that you're there to serve the team, not crack the whip or bang the drum, that you're able to communicate really clearly what the purpose and vision for the department, for the organisation is, and rally the troops behind that. I guess it's leadership more than management in terms of making sure that people want to go the extra mile and want to make sure that they're they're hitting all of their KPIs because they believe in the purpose of the business and they believe that they are core to that. So it's really that purpose part of it that, that management can do. And then showing that there is that psychological safety, not necessarily checking up on the team leaders, but ensuring that the advisors do feel safe to give feedback, to ask for what they need, to take time to to do that peer review and to ask for moral support where they need it. Recognising how hard a, a job it is being on the phone with customers screaming at you all day. <laughs> yeah, I think there was some really interesting points there. Well, one thing I jotted down was, you know, to servant leadership mentality. I don't know if you could just explain a little bit uh, to me about what that's about. So I think historically, a lot of people, they get into a management position and there's a perception that they are therefore entitled to control the troops. Mm. And servant leadership almost puts that on its head and says that as a leader, I am there to serve my team, to make sure that my team have got everything they need to be incredibly successful. I am there to serve them, not the other way around. It's my job to make sure that they've got the tools, that they've got the psychological safety, that they've got the passion and the principles to do what what they need to do, but they're given autonomy to do that in their own way. And there's no sacred cows, nothing's off the agenda in terms of discussion. Yeah, as you said, I think um, being able to kind of, as you say, work for them is a very good point. And I I know we've talked about this next question a little bit already um, that I want to ask you, but um, you've mentioned a lot about kind of making sure people feel that like they have a purpose when they come to work so they're motivated to kind of give their give their best for you do you have any other kind of i uh, like good, really good motivational ideas to help advisors really do their best in sharing these customer service skills so i think a lot of it is around alignment with purpose so making sure that you you really believe in the company's mission or that you can find elements of it that really resonate with you or that you, you, know, you really care about the customer and doing the right thing for them. And making investment in them as well. You know, contact centre pay is never, never the best, but what other things can be done so that they feel that they're invested in? Is there training and development? Is there a way of enabling them to, to develop and better themselves so that they feel invested in as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, again, there's a lot of uh, points that I really like your idea of make sure they're invested in the customer outcome. Um, yeah. So we've talked lots of really great ideas for how we can kind of help advisors to improve their customer service skills. I don't know if you have any kind of final tips for how they can do just that. So a couple of things that I've done in the past, even as at a, when I was at a director level, having, I called it sit down with Sarah because I'm a fan of the alliteration. Um, <laughs> But basically, one person from each team, so literally the advisors on the ground, could come for an hour a month. And it was a total open table, open discussion, no agenda from my side at all. They could ask me anything they wanted. They could vent. They could literally, there was no no holds barred. There were no other managers or team leaders in the room confidentiality in that regard was guaranteed and they you know, there were a couple of times when I felt like I was doing a hairdryer as they vented because there was an issue <laughs> but it gave 
it gave me an insight into what was good, bad and ugly on the ground. And it gave them a sense that they were genuinely important and, and cared about and um, and that they had a voice and that every single point that was raised, I would feedback, I'd send an email to the entire department with this was raised, this is what I can do, this is what I can't do, this is why kind of thing. And then giving them some level of autonomy as well. So you've got to have your 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 boundaries and your your guide rope, but giving people autonomy to do the right thing within that, helping them have some sense of mastery that they're developing their skills, that they're getting better at what they're doing. I don't know if you're familiar with Daniel Pink. He he wrote a book called Drive. It's vaguely familiar with it, yeah. And he basically says, you know, as long as people have got enough money to put food on the table and keep a roof over their head and that they don't feel like you're taking the pee, actually throwing more money at people doesn't get them to work harder. Mm. What makes people work harder is having that sense of autonomy and mastery and purpose. And I think that's really critical for people in a contact centre environment. Yeah, I really like that idea of kind of giving somebody a sense of mastery over something. I think, you know, I've approached this very much from, you know, which skills can we help advisors to improve? But maybe if an advisor feels that they're really great in one skill, that gives them kind of more motivation and desire to kind of improve. Is that sense of mastery just really powerful in contact centres, do you think? Definitely. And again, it depends on the industry and the, the, the business, but giving people the ability to work to get a technician label where they have mm. depth of skill in a particular area. So you've got your, your generalists who have got the, probably the, the deepest soft skills and empathy and customer listening skills. And then people who develop a real depth in, in a more technical area who can be then a customer customer technician and you're recognizing that depth of experience and technical know-how yeah I really like the idea of as well of putting a label on it as you say kind of maybe a subject matter expert or something you know something like that and I think maybe if they're an expert in I don't know as you say going back to an example you said earlier debt management and having them kind of maybe I don't know almost make a short video describing things that advisors can do to kind of make use of I don't know if you've done anything like this yourself in contact centers before absolutely so a couple of of roles ago we did exactly that so as people got to SME level they had to do a lunch and learn on that topic and they were then involved in onboarding new recruits into the contact center as well so they'd kind of upskill people in that particular area so it gave them not just the recognition and, and a little bit of extra cash for the recognition of their expertise, but an opportunity to really shine and share that with the wider team in the lunch and learn context, but also with the new the new guys and to be there as a buddy up to somebody to help them develop their skills in that space. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I, I went to a contact center recently where they had these subject matter experts and they had them on a Slack channel which they kind of just monitor here and there. And then if an advisor has like a problem, they quickly just type it into Slack and then they can just help them out and provide yep. provide some quick advice. I'm sure you've done, so kind of had similar initiatives to that, but I've seen them work really well. And I, the reason why I also like the idea is as well in, in contact centers, you can have just kind of a very kind of flat structure in, in the sense that you have an agent and then a leader and then a manager. But if you can kind of create intermediate roles, I guess advisors feel like they're progressing in their career as well. They don't feel like, oh, I'm just still an agent after a few years. And again, that's another motivational tool, I think, is <laughs> I guess we kind of, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. 
you can do it a little bit too well. We ended up losing a lot of our subject matter experts to business analyst roles in the tech team. Oh. <laughs> um, so kind of quite a natural, natural route. But again, that's that's brilliant because you're taking all of that business and customer knowledge into the technical team mm. and adding much more rich background into into then the tech development and showing other people within the contact center that there's there's very real routes if you don't want to go into team leadership and, and management. 